to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all? How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That just makes you want to shout at the end, doesn't it? Amen. You know, about a month ago, I stood in this very place, and I was introducing to you Pastor Sam as an interim pastor candidate. But this morning, I'm introducing him in a different way. This morning, Pastor Sam, on behalf of Fellowship Bible Church, I would like to extend to you, in the name of the Lord, the warmest welcome and wishes from Fellowship Bible Church and welcome you as our new interim pastor. And uh, we pray for you daily that God will bless you in the ministry here. And we're excited to see what God's going to do through you and through the people of Fellowship Bible Church as we pursue God together. So welcome, Pastor Sam. Wow, thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. So we moved into a little two-bedroom home that the Newmans own, and we are uh, renting that, and you furnished that house. And we moved in yesterday afternoon, and the house was clean, and it was uh, full of furniture and towels and food and some gift baskets. So we really feel welcome, really feel right at home. And thank you, Wayne, for that introduction. If you have a Bible, go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and we're going to look at this in in just a moment, but over the next month, um, I'm going to be meeting, and I'd love to meet with as many as possible. I've got uh, 28 individual meetings already set up, just to hear your heart. What what, what do you uh, learn about your families, learn about uh, your dreams for Fellowship Bible Church, uh, concerns that you have, what you'd love to see happen. And there's about eight group meetings, so that's, it's going to be a busy month. But if you'd like to, to meet with me, Kathy, is, uh, Kathy Silvertooth is helping to set up those appointments. Feel free to call her. I'd love to, to meet with you, get to know you. One of the things that is going to be happening over the next few months besides meetings is putting together an all-church prayer uh, strategy. And I really would like to begin this morning. This is area code... This is audience participation time. This is area code 
So why don't we, uh, at 9.03 in the morning and at 9.03 at night, pause for a moment and pray for the church and pray for each other and pray for specific requests. So I want to invite you to take your phone. Go ahead and take your cell phone out. I can't believe we're doing this in church. Take, Take your cell phone out, and if you would, text the word pray to 903-290-1395. Go ahead and do that right now. If you'll do that, then at 903 in the morning, you'll get a a prayer prompt, a single prayer request, a single sentence. And over the next few months, we'll be praying for each other. We'll be praying for the church. And we'll take advantage of the fact that we all know it's area code 903. So it's kind of a memory jog, 903 in the morning, 903 at evening. So go ahead and do that right now. Just text. You can figure out how to text. 903-290-1395. Pray. How you doing? Okay. Good. Good. And so we will concentrate our time on prayer. I was in a, I was in a uh, area, a swimming pool not too long ago at a hotel, and there was a sign that said, swim at your own risk. You ever been in a restaurant, and after eating there, you thought they should have a sign that says, eat at your own risk? Travel at your own risk. Ride this at your own risk. You know, there are some prayers that are so dangerous. They are so risky. Probably they ought to have a sign that says, pray at your own risk. You say, how in the world can prayer be risky? The answer is twofold. One is God tends to answer high-risk prayers. And second, we don't know how he will answer. And if you pray a high-risk prayer, it may lead you down a path you never expected uh, to go. Let me give an example of that. Perhaps you're feeling a need for patience. Anybody here struggle with patience from time to time? I see your hands. So you pray, Lord, help me be a more patient person. (laughs) And what you discover is there are a lot of rude, irritable people that come across your path, and you're stuck in traffic, and people are cutting you off, and you've got more to do than you've got time to do it during the day. And finally, you say, what is going on? The Lord says, I'm answering your prayer. I'm giving you the opportunity to develop patience. If you pray a high-risk prayer, it will create havoc in your life. But you'll be glad because you will never experience the adventure of the Christian life without praying some high-risk prayers. You'll never know the joy of seeing God work in your life without praying a high-risk prayer. Now, about 25 years ago, a Bible, I heard a Bible teacher talk about high-risk prayers, and so I've been trying to do this for about 25 years. There are books that have been written about dangerous prayers and sermons that have been preached, but what I want to do this morning is using this psalm, talk about five high-risk, dangerous prayers, and I wonder if, if you have the courage to pray a high-risk prayer. Here's the first one. Look at the very last two verses of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's the first prayer. Search me. And it really helps to understand why King David prayed that. So go right back up to the first of the psalm for just a moment. David says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. If I'm at home, he says, if I'm at work, if I'm on my feet, if I'm resting, you know that, you see that. He says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. How many of you have ever thought, why did I say that? Let's take a little poll. Why did I say, anybody here, why did I say that? God knows why you said that. God understands before words on your tongue, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is, it is high. I cannot attain it. And so David is just thinking about what God knows about him, that he cannot hide from God. He cannot um, elude God's presence, that God knows him through and through. He knows him in the depths. God knows his darkest moments. He knows his hang-ups and his hurts. God knows all of that about him. And then he says, where can I, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free from, flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Isn't that good to know in a time like that in which we live? Some of us are really going through dark times, but the darkness is not dark to God. The darkness is light to him. The light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. David says, I can't escape your presence. I cannot run from you. There's an old poem called The Hound of Heaven. It's a long poem. It's kind of using archaic language. But the poem is about a man who is trying to run from God, and he keeps hearing footsteps behind him, footsteps behind him. And he calls God the Hound of Heaven. I cannot get away from you. And that's a terrifying thought for some of us, that God not only knows us through and through, but I can't escape from him. But the good news of Scripture is God knows every dumb thing we're going to do, and he loves us anyway. It's called grace. So David is thinking about the Lord knowing him and the Lord being with him at all moments. And then he says this, verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So when David was a, a fetus, God is embroidering. He is weaving veins and ligaments and arteries and muscles, putting David together, putting you and me together before we were ever conscious of anything, perhaps before our mothers even knew they were pregnant. I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is poetry. He's saying in a secret place, you were sculpting me. I love the way the message renders verse 15. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into 
something. Think about that for a moment. God sculpted you from nothing into something. He breathed life into your body. He stamped you with his own image. He custom designed you, your body, your personality. He knew where you were going to be born. He decided into what family you would be born, the culture you, in which you would be born, the environment created your personality introvert extrovert thinkers feelers you are who you are in large part because God designed you and he has a plan for the way he designed you so David says in verse 16 your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them God knows when you'll die so does the internet I went online to deathclock.com. Yeah, deathclock.com. And I plugged some information about myself, and according to deathclock.com, I will die October 15, 2042. Maybe. Maybe not. God knows. And David continues, verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I wake and I'm still with you. How many thoughts can God carry in his mind at one time? Seven billion people on the planet knows each one of them. As he knew David, trillions of suns and billions and billions of galaxies everywhere. God knows all all of them, all at once, billions and billions of thoughts that he carries in his mind at every moment. And how many times does God think personal thoughts about you and me? And David says it would be like trying to count the sands on all the seashores. And so he's just caught up in worship. He says, this is blowing my mind when I think about you. And then something happens in this psalm that very seldom happens in the Bible. It's like there's radical shifting of gears. It's, it's like a, a full stop, and he changes directions. Verse 19, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. It's like David is sitting in a restaurant somewhere or he's watching something in, in his culture and he sees people who are shaking a fist at God and people who are cursing God, taking his name in vain, not only with their words, but with their life. People who are rebelling against God and something rises up in David and says, I hate that. How can they do that? God is wonderful as you. How can they treat you this way? And then he says, I hate them. And he says, more than that, I loathe them. You ever been in a restaurant? You ever been watching TV? Watching people whose lives are totally contrary to, to God's love and, and his desire. And you say to yourself, how can they be like that? God, deal with them. Deal with them. And it's a whole lot easier to say, deal with them, than it is to say, deal with me. And so David goes, oh, maybe there's a little fish shaking going on in me. Maybe there's a little pocket of rebellion in me. Maybe there's something in me. So he prays this dangerous prayer. He says, 
Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He says, would you expose any little thing in me that's a deterrent to me honoring you with my life? Is there any part of me that is not fully surrendered to you? I don't want it to be so. Look deep within my heart, Lord. See if there's anything there that needs to be removed. I wonder what would happen if every person in this room would pray a, a search me prayer. As you know, there's a saying in business, if you don't want to hear the answer, don't ask the question. And if you don't want God to bring something up, then, then don't pray a search me prayer. Because God tends to answer prayers like this, and we don't know how he will do it. He may use other people. He may use his word. He may use his spirit. He may use some crisis. He may use a sickness. He may use some issue in, in your work or your finances. But God tends to answer a search me prayer. And I think if every one of us prayed a search me prayer this morning, we would all leave a little more humble, feeling a little more clean, sensing a little more of the love of God. Quite a prayer, a search me prayer. wonder if you're willing to pray that prayer. And if I prayed that prayer, perhaps, perhaps someone is thinking, I, I know what he'll put the spotlight on. I know there is some, I know there's the secret practice in my life that is creating such a paralysis in my life and is creating such havoc in my family. There is this secret thing that no one else knows about, but, but God, I know what he put the spotlight on. Or you say, search me, O Lord. Just search me. Expose whatever's in my heart that ought not to be there. Just bring it up. There's that relationship that's broken. There's an issue in my family I need to deal with. There's something in the church that I need to be a part of. You kind of sense that. Maybe someone is here and you know, if you said, search me, oh God, what's going to come up is this. You have not crossed the line of faith yet. You have not put your faith in Christ. And you've been coming to church day after month after, after month. That's what, you need. That's what God would bring up. It takes courage to pray a search me prayer. Maybe God has some work to do on our relationship. Maybe there's a grudge or resentment that needs to be dealt with. Maybe our life is just consumed with a lot of stuff that doesn't matter for eternity. I saw that happen this last week. I was on a Zoom call with four friends of mine that we all grew up together. And one guy is a pastor in the St. Louis area. And his church is trying to merge with an African-American church. He has a primarily white church. They're trying to merge together. And my friend made a comment. And another friend on the Zoom call said, you do realize that's a racist comment you made. And my buddy went, I, you're right. I didn't even know it. I, and and it's, it's God, God searching, using another friend brought something up. It takes courage to pray a search me prayer. And I'll tell you why you should do it. Number one, you're not going to surprise God with anything that's there. I mean, verse 1 says he already knows. But here's another reason. We have an incredible uh, ability to deceive ourselves. We have blind spots. We're not, you don't know what your blind spot is? Ask your spouse. 
Ask your family. They know. But we had this ability to self-deceive. And God has this wonderful way of opening our eyes. And I'll give you one more reason to pray a search me prayer. Nothing that he exposes, if you're a Christian, nothing he exposes has not been dealt with by the cross and resurrection of Jesus. It's been covered. It's been forgiven. You're safe in the love of God. Here's a second prayer. He, he says, try me. Try me. And that's a word that means put me to the test. Um, check me out. Put me to a test. Here's the second. Break me. You say, well, that sounds dangerous. Break me. Whatever you find in me that ought not to be there, would you break it? And there are many examples of break me prayers in, in the Bible. Let me give you a couple. In John 8, this woman is caught in the act of adultery, and the Pharisees bring her and put her at the feet of Jesus and says, the law says stone her. What do you say? Jesus bent down. He wrote something on the ground. He stood up and said, all right, let's do it. Let her fly. Those of you who are without sin, you be the first to throw a stone. Go go ahead. Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. And pretty soon you hear stones being dropped, and people are walking away. And that woman is left alone with Jesus. And Jesus said, where are those who accuse you? And she says, there's no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and break this habit. Break this pattern. It's destroying you. It's destroying the lives of men you're in in relationship with. It's destroying entire families. Break this habit. In Luke 19... One day Jesus was having a meal with a dishonest businessman named Zacchaeus. And during the meal, something happened in Zacchaeus' heart. Scripture says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. In other words, he saved. He saved, folks. The greed, the idol of materialism has been broken. In his life. God's done a work in his heart. I was a college freshman. And I was dating this girl back in the city where I spent time in high school. And was deeply in love with her. And she broke the engagement. She gave me back the stuff that I'd given her. And I am driving back one Sunday night back to college. Crying. And I turned on the radio, and there was an old country song being played. There goes my reason for living. There, there goes my everything. I said, there she goes. There, she's gone. She's gone. And I remember praying a, a break-me prayer. Lord, break this idol that I have made of her and heal my heart. We were called to Costa Rica. I actually called to the Dominican Republic as missionaries. We went to Costa Rica and spent 14 months there learning Spanish. And I got so discouraged. Someone said, Spanish is an easy language to learn. You'll pick it up just like that. And I'd like to meet that person today because we didn't find it that be the case. And I remember praying a break me prayer. Lord, would you break this discouragement that is, that is just overwhelming. I'll never get this language. In our fourth year in the Dominican Republic, we were involved in a head-on collision of two 
vehicles going 40 miles an hour each down the highway, colliding, colliding head on. My wife's right side was shattered, uh, lacerations inside, outside. All the kids were I- injured in some way. Uh, my neck was broken in four places. And so we were airlifted out and brought back to the United States, and we spent a year just trying to recover. And during that year, when my wife was in a hospital bed in our, this little living room of this little place that we, that, that the church had provided for us, my heart grew cold toward my wife. And she saw it. She said, one day, I want to talk with you. I'm wearing a neck brace. She's in a bed. And she said, I feel you growing distant from me. Sam, we can either face this together or we can face it apart, but you've got to decide. And it was like I walked up to the edge of a of an abyss and looked down it was just blackness and I said well let's face this together and I prayed a break me prayer and said God would you break the hardness of my heart and the coldness of my heart toward my wonderful wife what I'm trying to say is this friends every phase of my life something has needed to be broken and I don't think I'm the only one in the room maybe for you it's greed Maybe it's the need to control. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. But every one of us have something in our life that needs to be broken. And sometimes when God breaks us, it's not that painful. And sometimes you don't know if you're ever going to heal. God doesn't want to break our spirit. He wants to break our stubborn will. And so it takes a lot of courage to say, Lord, whatever you find in me and you expose it, would you break it? Because I want to enjoy the adventure. I want to know the adventure of walking with you and knowing with you. And listen, it's a safe thing to pray, break me. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I just ask you, do you want God's best for your life? You want to become who God designed you to be when he had you in mind? That will never happen until you're willing to surrender everything to him and it does not come easy old habits die hard we will not grow without some failure without some setbacks without some hard lessons and without some brokenness but blessing does not come without brokenness search me break me there's a third one I think it's bound up in that idea of try me oh God stretch me stretch me One night a teacher came to Jesus and said, I've been listening to you and you're saying things no one else is saying. All of my life I believe that the way that I get to God is by being good and being religious and doing my best. And you're talking about being born again. Nicodemus is praying a stretch me prayer. Stretch my understanding. Help me to understand what this means. And it's a good thing Nicodemus prayed a stretch me prayer because he might have missed the kingdom of God. In the first century, the Romans persecuted Christians. Sometimes they hunted them down, beat them, murdered them. 
because of their faith in Christ, just like what is happening today in Afghanistan. Christians by the score are preparing to be martyred for their faith. In Acts 4, the Christians faced that kind of crisis. They got together as a church and they decided to, to pray a stretch me prayer. Acts 4, 9, 29. And now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Lord, increase our courage. Stretch our faith. Increase our boldness. When the soldiers knock on the door and they drag us off in the middle of the night, we don't want to cave in. We don't want to put anyone else in danger. We want to be strong all the way. Lord, stretch our faith. What a prayer. I mean, if I'd been in that situation, I'd have been praying, Lord, send the Marines. You know, send in SEAL Team 6. But they're, pr they're praying a stretch me prayer. September the 11th, 2001, 20 years ago, Flight 93 was a domestic passenger flight hijacked by four Al-Qaeda terrorists, part of the 9-11 attack. Passengers saw what was happening. They formed a plan to take the plane black. They, they called their wives. They prayed, and they crashed that plane in a field in Somerset County in Pennsylvania. Ruthie and I have been there. It's a sacred place. All 44 people on that plane were killed, including the four hijackers. Todd Beamer was a member of Alliance, Princeton Alliance Church. He was a Sunday school teacher. He worked in the youth group, tried to call his wife, and couldn't get through to her. Got a hold of an operator, told her what was happening. And with her, he quoted Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer. Other people joined in. And then he told her, if I don't make it, please call my family. Let them know how much I love them. And after that, she heard voices, muffled voices, and then Beamer said, ready? Okay, let's roll. And the plane crashed. Why did he pray Psalm 23? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is a stretch my faith prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a stretch my faith prayer. You ever pray to stretch me prayer? You ever been in a traffic jam and someone cuts you off and your immediate reaction is to say some things about them or give them some universal hand sign of displeasure? What if you pray to stretch me prayer? Lord, stretch my patience. Stretch my, my trust in you at this moment. Stretch my compassion. You've had a day so packed with appointments, you don't have any time at all to spare, and there is someone you come across, and they are struggling with something, and they kind of blurt it out to you. You pray to stretch me prayer. Lord, stretch the time that I have. Help me trust that I'll get done what I need to get done, and yet I can love this person in the name of Jesus and represent Jesus to them. Stretch me prayer. 
you've been aware of a practical need and finances are tight anyway and you say Lord stretch my faith in you I'm going to meet this need I'm going to do what I can help me to trust you for what we need stretch me prayers are powerful and they're they are a little risky to pray search me break me stretch me I'll finish up real quickly the last two lead me lead me that's what he says in verse 34 lead me in the way everlasting and that strikes a really deep chord in me because I've been praying a lead me prayer for a lot of years someone asked me why after so many so many years in ministry why why would I want to be an interim pastor it all goes back to a search me prayer Lord why am I so restless what are you doing inside of me what's going on and a break me prayer Lord, would you break this idol of a typical American retirement? And stretch me prayer. Lord, stretch my understanding. Stretch my leadership. Whatever leadership gifts I have, stretch my faith. Stretch my patience. And lead me prayer. And the only conclusion I, ha I have is that God is leading my life. And he leads in little ways too. You're going through your day and that thought comes into your mind. And where does it come from? It can't come from the evil one. It's not myself. God's planted a thought in my mind to do something, to help someone, to serve in some way, to give in some way, some little sacrifice or act of servanthood. And I've never heard an audible voice. I've never seen an angel in my bedroom. But God has many ways to lead us. And friends, you have one and only one life. The past is gone. All you've got is from this moment on. How about praying a lead me prayer? Job 23, 10, he knows the way that I take. When he's tried me, I shall come out as gold. Isaiah 48, thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Psalm 119, 105, your word's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God tends to lead us when we invite him to do so. This is why I'm begging you, get to a quiet place, get on your knees and pray a lead me prayer and the last one is use me and don't confuse that with abuse me <laughs> some nfl player says i'm only getting 120 million i'm being abused no god doesn't abuse people but god uses people and we'll just leave this in your mind as i wrap up here a hardware store 100 years old you walk in and there are tools that were manufactured 80 years ago, hanging on the wall, on display shelves, as shiny, as new as the day they were created, and they've been there 80 years, never been purchased, never been bought. And when the shopkeeper closes the door, turns off the lights, what stories would those tools have to tell? Contrast that with a tool that's been purchased, an axe or a shovel, a hoe, a rake, a hammer, and it's been used. And it's dinged up a little bit, and that axe has had four or five handles attached to it. And the rake's kind of bent a little bit. But when they hang in the garage, and when the owner walks out and closes the door and turns out the light, what stories can they tell? Holes that were dug, gardens that were raked, nails that were hammered, houses that were built. Listen, friends, God loves to work through people. 
He very seldom writes something in the sky or shouts. He uses people to bless other people. And you're going to get to your life, to the end of your life, and what stories are you going to tell? What stories will you tell about how God used you? And I don't know a greater thrill than sensing God has used me in someone's life. God's used me in the church. God's used me in my business. What stories are you going to be able to tell? What adventures? And yeah, you're dinged up a little bit because it's not easy sometimes to be used by God. He never promised a rose garden. But what stories can you tell how God has used you? Would you say those prayers with me? What's the first one? Search me. Break me. Stretch me. Lead me. Use me. Does anyone here have the courage to pray a high-risk prayer? I don't know if you do this. As long as I'm here, we'll probably do it quite a bit. If you can get on your knees, I'm going to encourage you to do that. And if you can't kneel, just bow low in your seat in humility before the Lord. That's fine. But let's all get on our knees for a moment. Can you get on your knees right there at your chair? Make it a kind of an altar. If you can't kneel, just bow low before the Lord. Is there anybody here who would pray a search me prayer? Lord, show me where I need to grow. Show me where I'm not fully surrendered. Where, where is this little pocket of resistance? Anybody here who would pray that right now? Anybody who would pray a break me prayer? Lord, give me the courage to repent, the power to lead a fully surrendered life. Lord, whatever is in my life that's not pleasing to you, my old habits don't go easily away. I'm trusting you. Break that. Anybody here pray a stretch me prayer? Lord, would you stretch my boldness? Would you stretch my courage to stand when people around me are caving in, taking a cowardly way out? Stretch my patience. Stretch my love. Stretch my kindness. Would anybody here pray a lead me prayer? Lord, if you'll open the door, I'll follow. Just lead my life. Anyone here pray a use me prayer? I don't want to be stuck on a shelf and come to the end without stories to tell. Lord, would you use me here in the church, here at Fellowship? Would you use me in my family, my neighborhood? I want to be used for the purpose for which you designed and built me. Use me, God. Just work powerfully in me. Lord, may this be a defining moment for many of us. As you act and interact with us, hear the prayers of your people whom you love so deeply. And in your time and in your way, answer our prayers in a way that we know that you've done it. And thank you, Lord, that whatever happens, we are covered by the blood of Christ. We are loved with an infinite love. 
Nothing can separate us from your love. So grant us the courage. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I think that's enough for today. And trust that we have met with the Lord. It's kind of exciting. It's going to be exciting to hear what, um, what happens, what the Lord does, because he is, he is real and he is active. And by the way, my, I've got an address here at Sam. Can I do the Sam S? Sam S at longviewfbc.com. And if you've got a story to share, how God answered one of those prayers, uh, just send me a note. I would love to read it. I'd love to share some of them uh, with uh, various folks throughout the life of the church and with the church as a whole. Ruthie and I are so happy to be here. Uh, you're an easy group to love. So thanks for being here on Labor Day weekend. Let's go serve the Lord. You're dismissed. <laughs>